Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for the Paris-Roubaix fam avec Zwift recap. We'll also have a little recap of the Zulia Bass Country final stage at the end, but that was a bit tedious in contrast to one of the best finals of Paris-Roubaix I've ever watched. So <laughs> many different scenarios could have happened. An unbelievable final. Certainly the best edition of the Paris-Roubaix fam avec Swift that we've seen yet in its third edition. And yeah, upsets, crashes, just good teamwork, questionable decisions, strength from other riders. It was a fantastic race and you even went to the start benji which is in Denain, which is near the uh near the border isn't it of roughly belgium roughly near the border roubaix is actually above Denain, so i passed the finish line when going back oh, okay. from the start to my home afterwards was it good what happened you see anyone I saw a lot of things i saw a lot of things like it was a pretty long drive to get there but it was worth it because Obviously, it was pretty hard to get into the net, but once we got there, seeing all the all the buses, seeing riders everywhere, I saw Lotte and so forth. So I was like, Lotte, today's your day. Eh? Um, you said so that to Quebecy. I, I I I whispered that from afar. <laughs> and she, you she, know what? She... I got a funny anecdote before the <laughs> Giro in Hungary. I spoke to Lopez and I said to him, "Good, you're gonna go really well. Good luck." Oh <laughs> no! To Lopez, that way. Abandoned after stage four with the funny leg injury. Anyway, Benji and I shouldn't talk to riders. One thing. The one thing you do notice here is like when you go to this race, you do see the difference when it comes to the team bus and so forth with like men's cycling world tour races because half of the teams are in like campers and caravans here because the budget yeah. is such a significant difference with the men's world tour. And I hope we can see that change across the years because there are already numerous like top top tier buses in there and so forth but it was great meeting people in the cycling community meeting people like Josep Ben, for example I met so it was pretty cool to see and uh, then I saw the start which was was a great start to a race that would kick off relatively quickly with a decisive group I will go profile first 146k's first 60k's no cobbles Uh, TV live coverage somewhat frustratingly started just after the first cobble section which is uh, Vendigny, again, don't know what language all these cobbled sectors are in. It's certainly not the French I know and usually struggle to pronounce at the best of times. But the women still do 18 cobbled sectors, including Oshilas Oshi, Oshi, Mozampavel, Carrefour de l'Arbre, and then obviously finishing the velodrome. So the final is largely the same. No Carrefour de l'Arbre, but I think it was Grace Brown's comments I agreed with that that doesn't mean it's suddenly a bad race. It's about how to make this race the best possible. And I thought it was the way it was set up with the ratio of flat before to cobbles after made just an outstanding addition of this race. Kopecky and Esty works the big favorites. Now, when we did the preview, we were, and I saw, I think, Amy Jones um, also mentioning this, the confirmed team lists were quite late 
uh, for a lot of these teams. So we were in the dark. SD Works didn't bring Volering nor uh, Roycer. They went Kopecky, Chikini, Guarishi, Majerus, Marcus, Femke Marcus, that is, and Vibas. On paper, not a terrible idea because you reduce all the chefs in the kitchen and you have a few more sous chefs, a.k.a. domestiques. I thought not a bad thing. More people to pull for Kopecky, the 5-5 five, five star favourite. But the break went, Benji. 18 riders and yeah. good, strong riders on the flat too. What a crazy group that got away. And we know, we know that a group like this going up early could actually spice things up because these are smaller teams in women's cycling. We're not talking about an eight-man team in, in race or a seven-man team. Even we've got six women teams in these races. And we see a group with Lisa Klein from Trek Segafredo, not the best last few years, but she seems to be going into a decent form these days. Femke Marcus from SD Works. So SD Works is represented in that 18 women group. The likes of Alice Towers of Canyon Shram, Duval for FDG, Hengeveld for DSM. Also, uh, I think we met her the first time when we were doing coverage of the Healthy Aging Tour when she was attacking for Next Gen. Like the Peloton every single time and got caught with a few kilometers to go on every single time. Marta Lack from uh, WNT Seratizid, Katja Ragusa from Liv, Tomasi UAE, Talbot Kofferis. I'm going to go through them all. I'm going to have to do it. Van Helvoort from Park Hotel, Bergström from AG Insurance, Alison Jackson from Tipco EF Education First, not Silicon Valley Bank, or does that still exist? I have absolutely still no on clue. The kit. Okay, so that's a thing. Arkea Rider in there, Ledunth. We've got Susanna Anderson for Uno X, Amber Pate, name that you mentioned in the preview, I think. Yep. Uh, for Jaco, Jesse von den Bulke of Human Powered Health. I think that's an ex-Belgian champion, but I'm actually not sure about it. I could be really wrong here. Marion Boras, French woman on Albert Saint-Michel, and Marte Trajan, CX rider on uh, Phoenix de Koenig. And uh, that group was uh, getting minutes. One minute? Minutes? Two minutes? Three minutes? Four minutes? Five minutes and a half when I opened my, uh, when I opened my uh, GCN app. And like, I'll put my hand up and say, listen, I, I'm not too familiar with the game of every rider in this group, like Amata Luck, but Jackson's won a flat world tour race, I think a Simax stage before when yep. she went away in a two-up move. And this is such a different beast. We know that from the men's editions historically that riders who really cannot win in any other world tour level race like a Heyman, even Vermeer struggles a little bit. The heavier riders with all-day engines who maybe don't have a stacked Palmares, when you see them in the break, though, you're like, that's a problem when you let those riders have five to six minutes. And this is where I really... I'm confused by SD Works, Benji. Yeah? This is like... When Jumbo had Van Hoydonk in Group 1 in Flanders, this is like, to me, the exacerbation of that even worse. Because for starters, Kopecky is the five-star favorite behind. Yeah. And you let that group have six minutes, the other teams are going to be reluctant to pull Kopecky back. Even, even if you're like, oh, we have a rider ahead. We have a rider ahead. It's like, well, if you never let that rider attack, if you're not confident that they have a 100% chance of winning the sprint from the break, and if they're not going to drop back to pull Kopecky as a satellite rider, then giving the break six minutes is just creating a massive headache for yourself. And I was thinking, 
Isn't that the point of Majerus Quarishi Vibas being on the start list? Is just to keep the break at three minutes, not six. Exactly. And also maybe to make sure it's not an 18-woman group going in the first place, I would say. And maybe their idea was initially to not have someone in the breakaway and they might have done that. But we didn't see the initial 60 minutes, 90 minutes of the race, which is kind of annoying because we're having to judge now, oh, did SD Works respond? Were they able to respond to those 18 women attacking? Was it like a 13-minute battle of people attacking left and right that they couldn't control? And I kind of feel like it's difficult for me to judge whether they made a mistake there then, but they definitely got an outcome that is not ideal for them. And if the scenario was that they decided to put Femke Marcus in that group and say, hands off, we've got someone in the break, then that's a mistake. I think so, yeah. And you can, if, it has, if there has been loads of jumping, you, and eventually, okay, break's gone, you still then put someone yeah. on the front just to ride tempo. That also makes the break have to drag Marcus a bit more. So Marcus, I think she has a top 20 in this race before. Jackson yeah. has done well in both the previous editions. But yeah, the gap got six minutes. And if you want to watch this race on replay or if you, it's not too late, buy the GCN Plus annual pass before tomorrow's men's edition. You can get 15% off through the link down below. That's for LRCP listeners, a special for you all. And you can watch this race on replay or even the highlights on demand and something Benji and I have been using, recent, using recently, which is to have the audio playing through our phones when our yes. phone is locked, when I'm hiking or when you're driving, driving as well. I think, yeah, you today, that's a big plus. I love having that. It reminds me of the cricket a little bit. Um, so that functionality is awesome when I know, in theory, we'd all love to watch six hours of every race with our eyes, but sometimes needs must and you have to do something with your life. GCN Plus <laughs> has you covered. You can still keep up to date with the race in your ears. So go check that out down below. Okay, we're getting to the cobble section now. We see Trek. I wouldn't say they're chasing the break. I would yeah. say Trek were doing a lead out before cobble sections and then starting to pay. Then they had position on the cobbles, made sure all their riders, Brand, Longaborghini, Balsamo were in good position. They weren't bringing, though, initially the gap drastically down it was still around 5 30 they had lisa klein in the break ahead still probably not like the most realistic situation for them for them to win uh from there and then voss seemed to have issues all day benji yeah it started off with a bike change i don't know if it was a mechanical or not because they kind of just showed the shot of her jumping back on the bike after dropping a bike so i'm guessing it's just a mechanical that she had but that made sure she was behind the race when it started kicking off on the cobbles. And when you're behind in women's cycling on, on the first two cobble sectors, the tempo kind of keeps going because the group, the peloton group, just keeps decimating every single cobble sector. So she would be picking up three riders there, three riders there, three riders there. But noticeably, no Yumbo Visma riders really waited on her, it seemed like. It was like Voz was doing the chasing all yeah. on her own. And I was somewhat surprised by that. On one end, you'd say, if those Yumbo riders wait now, they won't be able to help Mariana Voss if she comes back or try and catch the breakaway afterwards for Voss if she comes back. But on the other hand, if Voss isn't there, they can't win the situation in the first place. What did you think of that situation? 
Yeah, I was surprised no right. I actually thought Voss was sick or something because <laughs> this wasn't the only time she dropped. And then she just kept every cobbled sector scene beginning dropped. And I thought she must be sick. Anyway, the TV, we then have a situation where Voss is dropped from the peloton. We have the breakaway, let's say four and a half, five minutes ahead. Still 18 women deep. Hangerveld for DSM decides to do a Walt Poles impression and just rides <laughs> 150 meters in front of the breakaway for ages, which hey, I think hey, hey. is a waste of time. It went up to 50 seconds at a certain point, according to the internet yeah. sources, which if that's true, then that's actually quite a, a shocking gap. But you're right. It didn't last uh, for the rest of the race. And maybe it would have. Uh... This is from 70 Ks out. The whole exactly. break is cooperating. They have five minutes on SD Works behind. There's no need to attack at that point. 100%, because you're also in a situation where when a gap is five minutes 30 at this point in the race, Just I think posted about on Twitter, break could have this. Yeah, I feel like the break has this, is what I posted. with like 70k to go, 60k to go, when Dunnick Hangerveld attacked. And when that move happened, I, I feel like she threw away her chances in that group. Yeah, I mean, who like maybe she was one of the strongest in that group. She probably was. I'm not sure, but we'll never know because of that move. But she basically, from then on, because of the various camera motorbikes, I swear we didn't see the main breakaway for a long time. Whenever we did yeah. see it, you saw a pink jersey at the front, Allison Jackson, often first, second, or third wheel. And we have Trek basically, yeah, just yo-yo, they tack on coals, come back a bit, or she was, or she. We moved to about 44Ks into the race. Vibers, again, we start to see SD Works mobilize Vibers and Majerus a little bit, but it's not a concerted go on the front, ride for 15 minutes at threshold on the tarmac and on the cobbles. Majerus like moves to the front on the cobbles. She's marked by a Trek rider. Then they get to the tarmac again. It all stops again. And yeah, Marcus isn't contributing ahead, but they're playing with fire here because the gap is still over three and a half minutes with 44Ks to go when Hangerveld is caught. And when did Kopecky... This is where I thought I was surprised. Trek had been doing a lot of work. Even Balsamo had been working. And I guess they had to... I don't know. They had to bring the gap down because they couldn't be confident in Klein, but... Kopecky kind of makes a panic move, yeah. Benji. On Morzan Pavel is what, I, what it seemed like to be, where she, she basically just attacks the group, and it was a really powerful attack because she instantly has a gap. She comes around the first rider, instantly takes a gap, and then we see everybody behind squandering to try and catch up. We've got a crash just behind Kopecky as that happens. And what do we see then is Kopecky just showing pure dominance on that cobble section, right? We see some people coming back, though, and what I see is a lack of SD Works riders there, and that's not really surprising, I would say, because I was expecting the likes of Lucina Brandt to catch up, the likes of Pfeiffer Georgie, which were indeed two eyes that were catching up. They were also, close, though. You're right. Correct. But I'm, I'm, just saying, I'm just interjecting there to say, this is different to the, the Moor, or this is why this race is so different, because when Kopecky has detonated on the Halingen, that's Dutch for Hill Benji, when she's detonated on those this season, it's literally, you can't see anybody else. Yeah. And here you're like, a gap's three minutes. Brandon, Pfeiffer, Georgie are just behind. Like, all you're kind of doing is burning a match. You can't bridge 
And, and even Kopecky knew this, Benji, because she eventually allowed them to catch back up to her. Exactly. It was also Alisa Lamborghini and a fifth rider, which was a Canyon Tram rider. And I feel very bad about not being aware of what the name was of the rider that did that move, but it was Shabby, a group I would of assume. five. Yeah, Elisa Shabe, you're right. Very much. That was a group of five then. And we've got a bit of a moment, eh? A bit of a moment where that group keeps on going for a bit, but there's also people catching up with the group. And that group gets a bit larger and that group gets a bit larger. But we're also talking about a gap that has reduced to the front of the reins because it's now three minutes. It's now two minutes 55, roughly. And it goes to two minutes 35. But then something happens in that group too that I don't think anyone could have predicted. But it really upsets a lot of this race. The first Trek rider crashes. And what happens afterwards? I'll let you say it. Well, there's just the whole chase group is obliterated and this changes the face of the race with, and it's on the crown. Benji, you messaged me saying you thought this is where Cancellara and Sagan or Cancellara bunny hops again. Yeah. The crown of this is very pronounced. And that means if you're riding on the crown, take it, this is from somebody, by the way, who's literally never ridden on cobbles. Take it, actually, I've ridden on Upper Brookfield Road and I did. Gold Creek Road in the back of Brisbane. So it's the same thing. If you're riding on the crown and it's pronounced and it's wet, which this race was in parts, not saturated like 21, but not dry, and your wheel goes down the crown a bit, you're essentially off, it's like being off camber. And the Trek rider slides out. She then bucks and goes horizontal like on Koppenberg in the women's race. And yeah, the whole group gets taken out. And Remy Casper's like, um, oh, there's probably some meme I'm trying to think about. She looks back like, it's like did the, I do that? The, the John Travolta <laughs> meme where he's like looking yeah, around and finds yeah. no one in the room. <laughs> oh. But awful crash, awful crash. Yeah, I in Sonicant was the Sonicant of Phoenix. Uh, the Koenig was the worst victim of that. There was blood on the road. So bear in mind if you watch it. And um, Kopecky seemed to be one of the worst victims as well in that crash because she crashed and Ribus crashed and they were kind of laying on top of Kopecky there. And it came to the situation where the majority of that group was behind Romy Kasper, who rode on... Romy Kasper was on two minutes of the front of the race. Then a gap towards the rest of the group, who was like 20 seconds behind, roughly. And then we saw a shot from behind where Kopecky was riding together with Balsamo. And I was like, I haven't seen Balsamo in a while. I haven't seen Balsamo since Kopecky attacked her earlier. So this must be like 30 seconds-ish behind that group she just crashed with, which was the case. And to add other context to this, there's a peloton behind Kopecky at that moment, which is the Mariana Vos group. She's still chasing. Yeah. She's been chasing this entire race. The whole race. And she's got three or two Yumbo domestiques in front of yeah. her, trying to pace and so forth. And Kopecky basically drops back towards that group, Weebus as well. So they're, they're all in that group then. Elisa Longborghini also in that group. But the rest are still in that group that eventually catch up with uh, Romy Kasper. Eh? Yeah, so Georgie was the best rider, I think, that yeah. was able to... She still crashed, Ambron. but was able to get up quickly, like Pog oh. and Strato last year, um, and Brand. And, but still, they're not, really, they're not really chasing the break, because the break also... In this phase, the break works really well last 8Ks, in this phase, I feel like the break was not given up, but like everyone's tired and they're thinking, oh, 
I don't know, like Jackson was working a lot, Lark was working a lot as well. But again, the break's also starting to attack each itself a little bit, including Jackson. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure if, yeah, Marcus might have attacked as well. But to be honest, this phase of the race, to me, was extremely... I'm going to have to watch it again. This, and I recommend watching this race, this race again. But this phase is extremely chaotic. But, and also, maybe could have been a bit more clear from the production of what was going on. Yeah. But essentially... The Georgie group is caught by the main, let's call it Peloton, with all the other pre-race favourites, including Capecchi, including Elisa Longaborghini. Brand is in there. I think also uh, UAE have Consoni in there too with other domestiques. I'd like to add to that situation that I felt like this happened on Carrefour de Library, the last proper five-star cobble section where we saw Brand attack the Georgie group. Georgie stay in the wheel and that group kind of stick together in the wheel of Brand. But we saw Kopecky in the distance in one shot, and then suddenly she was with them. So, yeah. like you said, they all came together, and I'll let you continue your story from there on. <laughs> well, it was curious. Maybe you think DeBrand and Georgie form an alliance with Kopecky off the back and with Hangavel to head, and think, let's hey, let's take our chances. Me and you are both about equally as strong. Let's try and win this race. Because this is the problem with, and we see, we've seen this in the men's race for decades, if you let the break get deep into the final, because there's no Parterberg or Quarmont, it's they can play a real big role in this race deep into the final, and you can't just assume you'll catch them, and that's what happens. Like, Carlford Labra mainly served to exhaust everyone in Group 2 and Group 3, which came back. The gap goes from, like, now 30 seconds to, it says, 12, 11 seconds. But I feel like there were some lies there because the break was disintegrating. <laughs> so we saw the Phoenix, to, uh, not Phoenix, to, the AG insurance rider yeah. dropping back. And I also feel, oh, and then Hangerveld drops back. So Hangerveld has finally dropped back for DSM. She's going to pace the group for Georgie. The break looks dead and buried. It's been split up. It's about... I don't know, seven riders, including still in SD Works, Marcus, including Alison Jackson, Pates dropped at that point, Marta Lack is there, uh, Duval's there for FDJ, Troy and the young rider for Phoenix de Koenig, and Boras for Saint-Michel Mavic-Aubert. They're all in that move, six riders. Marcus is not working. In fact, she's letting wheels go and disrupting, but she's not dropping back like Hangerfeld to pace Georgie or Kopecky in uh marcus case back and i also thought because jackson attacks again or big surge yeah. marcus is in the wheel another rider ragusa surged earlier marcus is in the wheel i thought if marcus feels so good and she's not going to drop back are you going to take it to the velodrome is just losing wheels so that Kapeki comes back with a group of 20 riders, including Consoni, including Voss, including Georgie, including Brand and Elisa Longaborghini, isn't this the time for Marcus to Fuga de la Fuga? Either to Fuga de la Fuga, that's a one scenario, but I feel like she might not have trusted herself there. Because, like, if you look at Femke Marcus as a rider, she's really strong on the flat, so she should be able to Fuga de la Fuga, which is, by the way, 
in context, attacking the breakaway. So a breakaway out of the breakaway means fuga de la fuga. So Femke Marker is attacking from that breakaway. The only scenario I see is that as D-Works told her, yeah, you need to mark every attack to make sure Kopeki can come back. But they don't pull her back. So behind, they're trusting that everybody else does it, which in my opinion is risky because we're looking at a UAE and Trek who on paper should be chasing, but Consonia and Bastianelli are looking at each other. Tomasi, who crashed from the breakaway and is in that chasing group, she just crashed. Like, I can't expect her to be at the front either at that point. So I expect one of the UAE riders to be pacing at that point. And Trek, I expected the rider to, to be at the front. Longo Borghini for Lucinda Brandt, because Lucinda Brandt has a good sprint. And neither of them really did until the last, like, two, three kilometers. Well, they started... Uh, Longo Borghini and Brand don't want the sprint. They yeah. Brand attacks, Mark by Capecchi, and then all at least Longo Borghini attacks. And uh, if Marcus attacks and gets separation from that break, they give up immediately. Yeah. They were just like, oh, she's been sitting on all day, attacks, gets separation, moto draft. They would have given up. Now, maybe Jackson would have marked it. I don't know, but... I think going to the sprint is so dangerous, and that's not hindsight 2020 from what happens in the velodrome, but AKs to go, groups back, UAE start chasing after Hangerveld, it's 11 seconds, you can see in Gruzon on the same short cobble sectors that you have the break and the peloton just behind, you think they're dead, and you see Allison Jackson and another, the Samachel rider, remonstrating with the group, come on, let's work together, we can still do this, and they do. They start working, and it's almost like they start to believe again. Troyan starts pulling. Boras starts pulling for San Michel. Marta Lack is pulling. Ragusa is sitting on, and I'm not uh, definitely, and Duval is, I think, maybe couldn't pull so much. It's 11 seconds. It goes up to 15 seconds. And as Benji said, they're pulling as a group now, even with Marcus losing the wheels, against riders, domestiques who've just crashed, and suddenly they're into the velodrome, yeah, and there's no hard cobble sections left. Slight erasure towards one person at breakaway, in my opinion, that did most of the work in the last three kilometers, which is Marta Lag from Seratizit WNT. She worked to the point that she basically threw out her complete chance of getting any sprint here by pacing the entire last kilometer in full. I, and, and I'm not going to criticize it either. I don't know, because she, she can get a top 10 in Roubaix. She's going to be super happy about it. But on the other end, you're like, what could have been? No. Maybe she didn't trust her sprint, but that's what she did. She leads them into the velodrome, and she's got Jackson's second wheel, Marcus's third wheel preparing for her sprint. Duval and Ragusa have been sitting on a little bit, and I really wanted this move to stay away because the Palmares of these riders in the front group pale in comparison to Capecchi, yeah. to Brand, to Elisa Longaborghini, and that's why for luck, I know game theory-wise, you know, Ragusa won... She didn't win the race. Ragusa won the game theory of this final by gambling and then getting on the podium. But like top even six or so of Paris Bay is life changing for these riders. Podium is life changing for yeah. a lot of these riders. And I just really wanted oh. them to make it. And they did. And listen, they get into the velodrome. We can't, the group behind, we can't even see them. We know they're not on the velodrome yet. The bell rings, they go around. And I don't get too emotional about a lot of races, actually. I don't really care about the result. I was hyped and screaming at my TV because I wanted one rider really to win this race because Lark couldn't win, unfortunately. 
Alison Jackson, she goes second wheel. She keeps her right shoulder open. You want to do that. Benji and Tom Bonin don't know that. Me and Matt Heyman, we know that. And then boxed in is Femke Marcus. She's been sitting in all day. And I don't know if she hits something on the velodrome. She clips her front wheel trying to get out. But she chops herself. Somehow, miraculously, no one else goes down. But SD Works' final card to play in this race crashes out of the final sprint. Jackson, you see her start to overlap Lark with Ragusa trying to come the long way around. And Alison Jackson really was the only rider that could actually sprint. Yeah. And wins this race. Unbelievable for EF Education. Ahead of Ragusa, second. Troy in third. Duval fourth. Boras fifth. Lark sixth. Predictably, Kopecky wins the reduced bunch sprint behind for SD Work seventh, Georgie eighth, Consoni ninth, Voss tenth. Unbelievable win, Benji. This is like, this is why this is such a special race because this could never have happened in Flanders. Exactly. It's such a, such a beautiful victory and it's such a, a Heyman like victory. Heyman was like, from the early breakaway, the favorites caught up with him and he still destroyed them. This is fairly similar in the sense that the breakaway made it with the, with the, GC, I'm calling it GC group, but there's no GC here in a, in a one-day race, but like the favorites group almost catching up in the final. It's beautiful to see. And when it comes to the dynamics of that front group, Marta La, Alison Jackson, and Marison, Marion Bura, Bora, sorry, uh, those three were really the, the three that worked a lot in that final. And as the Saint Michel rider that you mentioned, Bora, by the way, and I feel like it's very nice to see that one of them then takes away the victory in this group. Now, I'd say that Femke Marcus looked pretty good going into that last kilometer, but if you crash, you crash, and then you can't win, obviously. That's the analysis that I'm here for. But uh, Marta <laughs> yeah. Trajan also, also looked really strong on the cobbles, and in the final sprint, she came with ultimate speed as well. And I, yeah. I think, I think if she's if she in a better position, we could have had a Belgian victory here, but that's, that's not what happens. Positioning is key on the velodrome, and she fucked it up. And unfortunately, that is uh, going to be one that she's going to be rethinking for a while now similar to Vermeers in that Roubaix yeah. a few years ago. An EF education, live racing tech find, Phoenix de Koenig podium in arguably the biggest one-day race oh. in the women's calendar. We absolutely love to see it. SDU Works humbled for the third year in a row in this race. And Trek not, as well. Pardon? It's not like SD Works fucked it up significantly. Eh? They just. Made... I think they did. I really think they did. They did? I feel you like have, when it comes to... You have literally one job. Get Kopecky somewhat close to the break and the break managed by the first couple of five-star sectors. Agreed. Give her a lead out. Bim, bam, bop. Yeah. Off she goes. Instead Agreed. of this panic trying to attack across to a breakaway three and a half minutes ahead because you've let it get out of control. The only reason I'm not as eager to say, oh, they all, all out fucked up is because we didn't see the first hour. And yeah. if it's truly that they just put Femke Marcus in that group and said, let's open up the gap, then they did indeed fuck up. When it comes to the final, though, the mistake of Marcus staying in that group and marking, whether that's a mistake or not, I feel like it's the kind of scenario where you can either attack the breakaway with Marcus or you can draw back and pace back the breakaway with Marcus. And you're now going for the middle ground which doesn't get you to have Kopecky come any closer at this point. And that's, I think, the issue. And we often see that in cycling where a team chooses like the middle ground bets on two horses. 
and it ends up losing them the race in the final. I believe that if Marcus drops back and pays in the second group, Lotto Kopecki wins this race, or yep. someone from the from the group behind. I believe if if Marcus attacks the first group, there's a higher chance that Kopecki lose uh, wins this race than at the moment because now they just betted on other teams doing it behind and obviously nobody wants to sprint against Kopecki so why would they throw everything on the field to to bring back group two I don't know and if Marcus attacks that group it increases I think her chances of winning yeah. she might not go solo she might go with Jackson but once they get a gap she can just stop working and sit in the wheel yeah and so then she can get let out in the sprint or um, Kopecki can come back, as you said. So again, I think SD Works' problem, and it's they're not the same team, but it's the Dutch team's problem in a lot of the international events, is brake management. In, in Strata Bianca, if you go and look at the phase that Faulkner attacked, Faulkner nearly won Strata, yeah. by the way. They caught her on the wall, which, yeah. okay, yeah, they still came whatever, but when these moves go, they don't immediately just get into management mode even when they have riders. Like, I don't know why they don't just keep it... Because I'm not... It's different when you don't have clearly top favorite, but when you have, like, if we get to the hardest moment, if we have this under control, Kopecky, whoever, or Volering, they will terminate this race. Then you just got to keep it all under control a little bit. It's also not that it happens a lot where breakaway in women's cycling is really strong enough from the start that actually makes it. It sometimes feels like they're overly managing sometimes where there's like two riders going out the front and then they're caught in like 15 kilometers and we've got like four yeah. breakaways of 15 kilometers in a women's race. And in this Roubaix, it's the complete opposite of the extreme and maybe it's because they haven't handled these scenarios in many races that it's like that, but then it's pretty obvious, eh? That you don't want the breakaway to have five minutes 30 into the first cobble sector. We saw it in Paris-Roubaix, the first edition of Paris-Roubaix Femme and Dagen won the race. And the second that I saw 5 minutes 30, I was like, it's too big. It's too <laughs> it's big. Way too big. And then I did feel like in the end, we can say if the group of Kopecky doesn't crash, that favorites group wins the race. But that happens. That's why you want the of break to be small. Yeah. That's literally the reason. I spoke to three DSs at the start of Rubei Farm this morning about how the race could play out. And every scenario, I, I basically said, well, if I was doing anything, I'd expect riders to go early because everybody behind is going to be crashing left and right. We've seen it two editions in a row and that's just what happens in Roubaix. And the group will be reduced because domestiques crash and as a consequence, readers will go themselves, which will reduce the group even more. Then you got a scenario where the break has actually has a chance or an early move has a chance. And once again, that's the case and with a significant gap. And that is indeed a big mistake by not just as the works, I think a few other teams can also look in the mirror. I think that's what you said, Benji. I think Madelac could have won this race. She won a Romandy group sprint last year, like a big, oh, a big group sprint. And her sprint was still half decent after in the lead out. So, I mean, good on but her. But I guess, thank you, Marta, for making sure to break yeah. one. Because if she didn't pace in the last kilometer, it would have been a larger group sprint. But yeah, incredible edition of Harry Bay fam, Avec Swift. It's so great to see these, you know, I think four, four of the six riders in that front group have never won a race. And now two of them are on a monument podium. And this is certainly the biggest win of Jackson's career. And like, it probably won't bring back Silicon Valley Bank, but it's definitely a great 
like this now makes EF season the women's team at least a success uh, almost no matter what happens for the rest of the season so and a big win for Canada too Canadian cycling so yeah, yeah incredible anything else from this race Benji no I just feel like I I have a, a player of a thumb where I feel like I'm overly happy about how it played out because the last years I somewhat felt like when SD works fucked up completely last year and Longo Borghini rode off, it was kind of a final where I was like, okay, Longo Borghini won. And now it was stressful until the final. Two years ago, Dagnan, I was like, it was obvious that she was going to win from like the second broadcast started, which is really annoying. And yeah. this time it was all until the velodrome. And that's what we want to see in cycling. Unpredictability with how the race plays out is amazing. But also we want it to be stressful until the single last kilometer. And that's what happened today. And that's why this edition of Pyro Thumb is by far the best one so far. And um, good luck to the men's race to be better. Exactly. It's going to have to be different. Like this is, you know, Flanders is great and all, but I kind of, you know, we all wanted Pedersen to win. We all wanted someone from Group 1 to win. Like I... Sorry, Patrick. Sorry, but... Milano San Remo best monument, get the fuck out of here. Nah, that is the best monument though. Because <laughs> no. consistently it is good. No. Um, consistently. But it maybe doesn't achieve the peaks of Flanders and Roubaix when they really are the best, like today. It's unbelievably good. But yeah, let us know what you think. I think it was a fantastic addition, and I can't wait to see maybe this spurring on riders like Marta Lark or um Troyan, who you know she's only 23 years old she's on a three-year deal like she's pretty good um i can't wait to see what they can do in the future maybe they'll be back next year uh in the breakaway or in the main group once again but great addition thanks to zwift for putting on the race or supporting the race and making it possible in the tour de france fam of x swift later in the year so make sure you stay tuned for that and our coverage of it later but We'll move on to a quick wrap-up of Itzilia Basque Country. In contrast, pretty uh, dull affair, I must say, compared to this stage and this overall hey, race in the past. This entire Itzulia, I feel like they've always waited for the last possible moment to attack in this race. Yeah. Um, the pro- I thought Mas would be better, and he just wasn't, you know? And... <laughs> That's kind of like I thought Mars would be there with Jonas and Landy with Jonas, and then you got two guys with him, and they're all within 20 seconds. Or I thought Danny would be up there. I think he was my pick for overall. And then you've got EF with multiple riders up there, or Movistar. And in the end, half the teams burned their second leadership option before this stage. And then you have this stage. It's the tricky eyebar stage, 138Ks. And it is really tricky tactically. Now, you remember UAE had McNulty in the leader's jersey in 21 and they kind of stuffed it up and Poggy didn't know whether to wait for McNulty or Chase and he chased too late and then Roglic is off the road with the Gadoo Aaron Baru crazy move and <laughs> Roglic wins GC with Vingegaard marking the Pog group and then last year Remco lost GC with Danny Martinez's assassin performance unbelievably good tactics from him in the final stage last year but that was a different Arate finish this was uh easier in the end and crabble in which is very hard by the way so you have two hard climbs 5k 7% 9.6k 5.6% and then crabble in which is 
5Ks, 9.5% with some Rampas in Humanus in there too. But it's, uh, quick maths, 70Ks from the finish, the crest. In other years, it's like 35Ks from the finish with then the final climb up Arate. So who's going to have the Dos Cajones to attack 65, 70Ks from the finish, especially when Lander doesn't have... He's got Herminator, but that's it. Master's got... Yeah, Herminator. He's good today. But yeah, it's... The difference... It just was all playing into Vingar's hands, but he still had a 12-second lead. So you make a mistake, you crash. 12-second lead's not very much, but Yambo Benji put two in the break. Walter on 143, and Kreuzweig, who was on 10 minutes, but just in the break as well. Yeah, and let me just complain once again. I always like complaining when it comes to races and the broadcasting not starting when the breakaway formation happens, like, for example, in Paris Roubaix Femme, and also, for example, in this Itzulia Stage 6, because... And Dauphiné Final Stage. Yes, exactly. I want to see Every the first year. two climbs. I want to see what Yumbo has to do to try and make sure certain... It doesn't make going... sense, because it's a shorter stage. Exactly, and why out of nowhere do we suddenly see a group of four riders, which is, oh, well, the riders, which is Attila Walter, which is Steven Kruisweg, which is Guerrero, which is Esteban Chavez. How did these dudes just end up being up the road? We just have to imagine that it was a gigantic fight, and somehow, if those two riders at the front, I can't imagine that nobody tried to bridge to those riders. So oh, no, there was a bigger break before. There was, so Ineos wanted to get in the break, and mm -hmm. they, they eventually did get in with Danny Felipe, and UAE got in with he or she, Jayco with Dunbar, Tarame was somehow only on two minutes, was in the breakaway, yeah. and Armirel was there, so, and Han Van Hocker. So they, they were, they were all working. But as you said before, Krabbelin, and they had a gap of 130, and then Bahrain paced Benji. They played into yeah. Yumbo's hands. You said it, that it would occur, eh? that other teams I would told you. be interested to <laughs> try and protect their positions, but also not just protect their positions, to try and create something, something from the stage to attack the others, because Lana has also looked pretty good here. Eh? So maybe he just wanted to, I don't know, he, why, why would he do that? Just why? I, I don't really... I don't really know what Bahrain's plan was today. First of all, you simply cannot let two Yumbo in the break. Yeah. Like, first of all, especially Volta, who stayed so close on GC, you cannot let them in the break. And then also Chavez is close on GC. So if they didn't pull, maybe Koffer to start pulling for Izagira, they pull a bit later. But yeah, Yumbo played Bahrain and the defensiveness and conservativeness of of Lander and Bahrain, and Pernstein basically pulled whole Krabbelin. The breakaway disintegrated on Krabbelin, with Chavez going clear with Guerrero and Kreuzweig. Volta comes back on the descent. He seemed to be just riding for his power. That's the benefit of two in the break. When you have two in the break, the better climber, Kreuzweig, can mark that move. Your Volta, you ride to what you can sustain. You know with Steven Kreuzweig sitting on in the descent, you can just come back in the flat later with Chavez not going to pull. This is 55Ks from the finish on the flat with Kreuzweig in his wheel, even if he isn't a GC threat. So that's the, the benefit of two in the break. And yeah, they, Vingegaard doesn't have to do anything really. 
the rest of then Cofidis take over, start pacing. Schmidt at one point, Bridges will quickly wrap this up because it's frankly yeah. not not <laughs> that exciting. Schmidt Bridges for the break. Kreuzvach and Volta because they've been dropped. Volta has been dropped. They're not pulling with Chavez. And also Chavez is now like he's 150 on GC. They don't want to give him a one minute 50 gap on Vingegaard for no reason. One minute's fine. Thank you very much. And they're sitting on Chavez is incredibly frustrated. Mara Schmidt says, thanks very much. Anticipates before the Azua climb, which is the final hard climb, which is still 25, 27 Ks from the finish, the crest. And then the Umber riders kind of disappear. They work a little bit with Chavez. All of a sudden we see the group behind. FDJ yeah. train. I haven't really seen them much this race. Pache, Gregoire, full lead out. And then Jonas Vingegaard attacks. He attacks across on Izua to Volta. First satellite rider. Pulling, pulling, pulling with Mass in the wheel. Gets across to, I think, Guerrero. He's pulling Christ a bit with Mass in the wheel. Was Christwag before Guerrero? Yeah, Christwag first before Guerrero. And then, then Vingegaard and Mass bridge up together to Guerrero. But then Mass seems to be not good enough. Because yeah. he stays in the wheel of Guerrero, who can't follow the tempo that Vingo wants to set. So Vingo flies off into the distance. The other people straight into the Shadow Realm with Guerrero pacing for Moss. And when I looked at Moss in the wheel of Guerrero, and I looked into the distance, I saw Mikel Landismo in the background with a group. And I was like... Yeah, bad day, man. <laughs> There's no bloody way that... There is no bloody way that Moss stays away from that group behind, is what I thought. No, and Mars was cooked following Vingegaard's initial move, and Yambo did really well on this stage. They didn't have to pull at all. They marked the break. I have not really seen... Have we seen a double satellite maneuver? A staggered satellite maneuver before? I haven't seen it too mm. often. I don't know how... Volta wasn't hustling too much. Schmidt was still ahead. Then Vingegaard gets to Chavez and Schmidt, Schmidt and says... I'll see you later, and does a 25k solo to the finish. Of course, just like in the Tour de France last year, he takes the descent absolutely full gas for no reason, um, going to the edge <laughs> of the road. <laughs> sure, the car loved it, even though he had a gap of he had a gap of 45 seconds at the top. He extended it to a minute 20, and then there was sort of a yeah, a bit of a shambolic chase behind of everyone consigned to second. Quick step out to Knox attack, tried to go move himself up on GC. Higita chased him down. Despicable stuff. Um, free James Knox. He comes second on the stage. Vingar wins by 47 seconds. Izaguri third. Oh, that actually changed something. Yes. Izaguri third takes four bonus seconds, moves onto the podium, two spots ahead of David Godou. And so that by two seconds. So here's the final GC. Vingar wins out of Lander, Izagira, then Gadu now in fourth, Mas fifth, Igita moves up five spots into sixth, and McNulty knocks Yates uh, and Goal rounding out the top 10. I wouldn't say Jayco, yeah, didn't have the best week, I must say. The big losers of the stage were Sobrero and Schelmoser, the young sort of TT. GC prospects, they got dropped badly on Krabbelin, I think. Well, they must have, because yeah. where's Shelmoser finish, Benji? Uh, and he's finished on question. four minutes. Oh, no, Shelmoser. Schelmoser? I think it's Schelmoser. But yeah, four minutes. So he like good. was back with sort of the Omen group or even yeah. worse. So he had a... A shocker, so does Sobrero. They completely fall out of GC after fighting hard a week. He was on the podium all before this stage, Schielmorza. So 
Yeah, dominant performance from Vingegaard, Benji. Uh, I think he did decent numbers yesterday. And um, he wins his first World Tour stage race. Just want to add on that Yonis Aguirre once again podiuming means that he is in the top 10 for the sixth time in a row in Damn. the Basque country, I think. And then one year before that, he wasn't. But the year before that, he was again. So seven out of the last eight editions that he rode, he was in the top 10. And a That's lot of them, crazy. he was in the podium. So this is his race. This is one of his races. He is the Simon Spilak of Itzulia Basque Country. That's my take. It's his four-third at Basque Country. <laughs> and he won and it he once. Won it, he's won it once and he came second <laughs> last year. So it's, it's his race. He knows the rate. He, the descents, he can probably save so much energy. But yeah, um, unfortunately, think got just a little bit too good here. It wasn't... Um, it was boring. Yeah, without Pog or Remco or someone of that nature as a foil... Um, is a little bit uncompetitive, but good to see James Knox in better shape, finishing as well in you know eighth on GC. He's in a contract year. This is his probably his best performance since ever. the Vuelta. He top eleven. Oh, okay. Twelfth. I don't remember. Knox did something at a Vuelta. Was the eleventh or twelfth? Eleventh in twenty nineteen. Yeah, I mean the memory. Yeah. I remember because he was virtually in the top ten in a breakaway at some point, and then he. He lost it by like a little bit, I think. Yeah. But did Bernsteimer steal it? Was that the year? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I've well to top tens. It's not so crash hot. Um, but nah. yeah, Vingard looking good. He's going to now do altitude, then Dauphiné, then altitude, then Tour de France. We won't see him in the Ardennes. Uh, there's obviously the news that Coos is doing the Giro, but probably he'll do the Tour de France as well, one would think. Uh, but yeah, Vingegaard looking good. Three stage wins and uh, and the overall, I guess, a little little clap back after the Paranese disappointment against Pogacar and with Roglic's own teammate having won two World Tour one week. So he's making a statement of his own. I, th I think Vingegaard wanted to make a statement this week and he, and he did. Um, so I guess good on him. Tomorrow we have the men's race of Parive. Uh, we'll be covering that. I don't believe there's... Maybe there's a final circuit des Ardennes. But yeah, that's the big focus tomorrow. Uh, sleep tight, everybody. Make sure you're up bright and early to watch that. And uh, yeah, we'll have wall-to-wall -wall coverage. Well, no, we won't. We'll just have a podcast recap. We'll see you then. Coverage. Yeah, we're not doing a live stream. <laughs> going People would love life. it. Yeah, well, I wouldn't. Until tomorrow, <laughs> ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 